Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and to my right now, again, once again, after last week, is Roy. Hello, everybody. Just Roy. the two of us, after a very crowded room last time. I, absolutely, and it was such a great time. Um, thank you so much, AJ Casabell, and thanks, everyone, for really coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, that was such a great, uh, great event, small, intimate, some may say intimate, um, and Good questions from the people come that there. And excellent crowd participation. Thank you to Ale Smith for uh, allowing us to take up some space there. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we're just so grateful for uh, the support yeah. and, and for AJ coming out. And he was funny. Dude, he was funny. I listened to it again this morning, and I was laughing at how kind of funny he was and how funny we were. We were kind of funny. Yeah, we had a good flow going. We had a good flow. Yeah. That's the first time I've done anything like that, and it came off really well. I was really very surprised. But we've got a lot of catching up to do. We do. Because a couple weeks ago, we talked to the general manager from the Amarillo Sod Poodles. Tony Esner. And then we were talking to AJ Casavell on our last show. But in the meantime, there's a bunch of stuff that's happened that we haven't been able to, we haven't had the time to cover. Right, right. And that's 40-man roster. That's the Rule 5 draft guys coming up. So they did. The Padres added several players from the minor leagues to their 40-man roster. Yes. Now, what does this mean for those players? They're just eligible to be on the. They're eligible to play. Yeah, yeah, they can be called up to the to the big leagues whenever the team decides they're ready. Right from the forty man, the twenty man, twenty five man is that's the roster that's on the bench. That's the ones that are playing. Yes, um, and they are no longer available for the Rule Five Draft. And those guys are um, the obviously the no brainer here is Chris Paddock, mm-hmm. uh, Pedro Avila, Anderson Espinosa, Gerardo Reyes. Austin Allen, Ty France, and Edward Oliveras. That was an interesting one. I, I really have to think, not only did he have a good season last year, but he is absolutely tearing it up in he the is. Latin League. Yeah, yeah. In the, I think he's playing in the Dominican League. Yeah. And he's having a really good season right now. He's raw. He came over uh, in the Young Ever Solarte trade. Yeah. Um, and the lottery pick. Yeah, he kind of, yeah, he's kind of a, you know, a scratcher ticket. And... So he's a toolsy guy, but he was kind of raw. He had a pretty good year in Lake Elsinore, but he didn't I mean he wasn't wowing anybody. He just made some steps in the right direction. Um, at the same time, they could have chosen Michael Geddes, but they've left Michael Geddes exposed. And it's interesting to me that he kind of leapfrogged Michael Geddes now. Geddes was drafted by the Padres. He's, I think, 23 now. Yeah. And uh, he's got tools galore, but he just can't seem to put it together. Now he's in the Australian League this winter, and he's doing okay. He had three home runs in a game last week. Yeah. But still, there's a lot of questions about swing and miss and, and this kind of thing. Meanwhile, you've got Olivares, who's just a couple of injuries away from making his MLB debut. Absolutely. And I, well, I, I'm hoping that uh, well, Giddy's in Australia. He kind of catches that Michael Giddy's magic. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. that uh, The Buddy Reed magic. The Buddy yeah. Reed magic. Yeah. The Australian League magic. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Gabriel Arias was down there as well. Not a, not, not a strong hit tool. Did pretty well. I mean, Buddy did great in, in the Australian League. Uh, sort of Gabriel Arias, not fantastic, but he did pretty good. Well, he went from a, from a glove-only prospect right. to now a glove-only who might be able to hit well enough to make it all the way up. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the kind of steps you're looking for at that level because it's kind of the equivalent of a short season single A when you're in Australia. Yeah. It's not like playing in the Mexican League where you've got you've got veteran major leaguers who maybe they've been out of the big leagues for a couple of years. They're still trying to get a paycheck, but there's some legit competition both in Mexico, the Dominican. You don't see that in Australia so much. No, and and there are the the you know 
A ball and, and advanced A guys that are go down there. Um, but you're still working on plate discipline, pitch recognition, uh, mechanics, that kind of thing. And there's not so much pressure. Um, it's a, it's probably a lot slower game, mm-hmm. so you can really focus on what you're doing and and not have to worry about thinking about what you're doing. Yeah, and and that that's huge. So I'm hoping that Michael Guinness can can bottle some of that lightning down there, get some of the Australian baseball love, come up next season and and really apply some of that stuff that he's learned down there and and turn it around. Well, and, there's still the chance that somebody might see the potential in him and take a flyer on him in the Rule Five. As unlikely as it is. I and mean, the Padres have gone that route the last couple of years, but their 40-man roster is full, so they're not adding anybody that way this year. The The tables have turned now. That We went from trying to gather talent to now the Padres have the talent, and we're hoping that nobody takes them away. So they added these seven guys. They left some guys exposed. And you look at those seven names – Paddock, he's gonna as long as he stays healthy, he's gonna be up by midseason. Yeah. Pedro Avila has a good chance, whether he's a starter or a reliever, he's got the electric arm. Um, Anderson Espinoza, he's rehabbing. Yeah. He's not he's yeah. gonna be on a on a very tight leash, both from a pitch count standpoint and an innings limit. Um, so there's very little chance he's gonna touch the major leagues. Uh, Ty France, he's kind of a backup first base, third base guy. Um Austin Allen, he's the third catcher right now on the roster. Right. That's it's Austin Hedges, Francisco Mejia, Austin Allen, and Luis Torrens. Somebody might even get traded before the the season starts between that group. And then Gerardo Reyes, he's a fireballing hundred mile an hour fastball slider reliever with command issues. Who just they just wrapped up. He just wrapped up his season in the Mexican League with. 18 games, 19 innings pitched. No, I'm sorry, 19 games, 18 innings pitched. Yeah. No runs. Nope, not Fin- run. Finally showed some good whip and walk rate numbers. So maybe he's turning a corner, but he's on the big league roster, so we're going to see him soon too. You know, and that's that's the hard numbers. That's the that's the theoretical numbers that you want to see. Sure, he's got tons of strikeouts, but you want to see that whip and and some of the more detail-oriented stats that mm-hmm. that show more than just strikeouts and based on you know based on balls. Well, it's it's walks plus hits over innings pitched. So really, how many runners is he allowing on base? Not many. And as a reliever, that's your job is to yeah. limit that. Whether it's inherited runners, you don't want to let them score, and you don't want to bring your own guys on. So I'm excited for Reyes. Uh, he was he came over in the Will Myers trade. Yeah. Uh, just, he's an interesting guy, and he was kind of fringy. And then late this season, he kind of popped up. So good for him to be added. Uh, but did you want to go? Okay, so then we also had some uh, some guys that were left off. We already talked about Michael Geddes. Yeah. Um, one of the guys that came in the recent trades, the Padres traded away Rowan Wick and got Jason Vossler. He's a third base, maybe a second baseman, kind of in the Ryan Schimpf mold. Okay. Um, he's a power hitting left-handed hitter who extreme fly ball rate, extreme power. Uh, he also strikes out a ton. Doesn't walk as much as Schimpf did, but kind of a weird player like that. A little organizational depth there. Yeah. Kind of just, all right, we'll take him. That's fine. That's better than nothing. Yeah. The Esteban, Esteban Carreras. Esteban Carreras, yeah. Carreras. When we talked to um, um, Jason Panini, yeah, JP. he raved about Esteban Carreras. So the guy can hit. He's a pretty good fielder. He's a second baseman who can fill in at short and third, which none of the utility guys on the roster, on the major league roster, could. Spangenberg and uh, Aswahe and Perella, none of those guys could play shortstop. So now they've got a guy that's off the 40-man who could 
pop in there. And then Ignacio Feliz that the Padres got from the Indians for Walker Lockett. Um, an 18-year-old, I think maybe he's 19, pitcher, right-handed pitcher. Okay. He's got electric stuff, pitches high 90s. He's got a slider. He's got a curveball. It's, it's, that's your lottery ticket. He could become something. He could never turn out to be anything. But it's a lot better than just letting Walker Lockett go off into DFA land. You know, with, and with Esteban's age, I think he's 26. And that's, I wouldn't be surprised if he saw some major league time or got a cup of coffee this year. Just mm-hmm. based on age. And I'm sure he's going to start in AAA. Probably double A starting double A or AAA. Mm-hmm. Um, and be up maybe in the major league just for a cup of coffee. Maybe in, like another guy that's just an injury away yep. from getting uh, from getting the call. Just to see what he has, and, and I, and if he if he responds and he does well, there's some there's absolutely some value there. From what I've read, he he seems like Carlos Aswahe, but with a little bit more power and a little bit more defensive versatility. Okay, maybe a better better hit tool. I don't know, but it's hard to say because Aswahe put up ridiculous numbers in AAA. So we take a big size. Yeah, so, <laughs> we get, everyone puts up pretty big numbers in AAA. Yeah, particularly in the Texas League. Yeah, so you you see that it, it, when I saw that, it kind of made me think that Aswahi's days on the roster were limited. Yeah. So now they could let Aswahi walk away, and you got Aswahi 2.0 sitting right off the roster. So it really does make the guy expendable. So you feel bad for him, but you know maybe the Fortnite management team management career is doing well. <laughs> Hello, lady. So our our so so um. Sorry for the mess. The significant others are allowed to make cameos, right? The, the GM of the house just came in with a slamming of the door, and she's uh, she's here. Um, so, those are just excellent points there with, with, with Esteban. Moving on, some of, some of the more like Hansel Rodriguez I'm really interested in. So guys, guys that are exposed in the draft. Yeah. I, I, the guy that I really think might get picked up would be Hansel Rodriguez. I'm not sure about with Travis. We love Travis. I don't think the velocity is there. The strikeouts are there. Um, the command is not quite there. Um, so he may be exposed, but I don't think he's going to get picked. You're I'm, talking about Radke? Yeah. yeah. In the Rule 5, I think uh, Hansel Rodriguez. Um, talking to John Conniff several weeks ago, he was worrying about Trevor McGill getting picked up mm-hmm. in, in the Rule 5 depending on where the roster washed out. So Well, Trevor McGill kind of profiles that he's your power reliever. And so you can take that guy and plug him in. Yeah. Hansel Rodriguez, he's had some injury concerns. He had a shortened season last year. He pitched in one of the winter leagues, but he already got kind of shut down. So I don't know if there's something going on there. But Radke, like you were saying, there's kind of he's a he's a pitcher. There's nothing special about him. Yeah. He had a really good season, and I think he's a really interesting guy. Yeah. But he doesn't have the the tools that kind of stand out that make you think that he can still perform at the major league level. Where McGill, I mean, you take a Whatever, six foot something. He's like guy. seven foot. Isn't he like six nine? Or He's, yeah, big tall guy, big size guy. With a with a big fastball and a sweeping breaking ball, and people look at that and go, maybe I can do something with that. Um, and, and Jerry Peel. Well, Hanson Rodriguez, they pulled him out of the AZF. Okay. And that's who uh, Blake Rogers took over for uh, in the roster from the Padres. Hanson Rodriguez bounced out. Okay. And I said before on a podcast that it was on the episode that it wasn't injury-related. It was injury-related. Okay. Um, that they took him off, and then Blake Rogers um, came on and pitched several innings uh, for the AZL mm-hmm. in his place. Uh, and Emmanuel Ramirez and Jerry Keel. Yeah. Jerry Keel, six foot six lefty. He's another guy. that He was a starter. But that's somebody that you can pick up like the Padres did with Miguel Diaz. Pick him up and stash him. But Jerry Keel had AAA experience. 
So the guys that have been a little bit closer to major league, those are the guys that tend to get picked in the Rule 5 draft. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody like Hansel Rodriguez that he hasn't been above single A, I, it's, it's a big leap. We've seen the Padres do that a bunch the last couple of years, but that's really unusual. Very unusual. And, and for where the Padres were at the time, not unexpected, but very easy to hide those guys. And like, we're, they're, they're, the team's not on the rise. The team's not looking to perform, but looking to maybe catch lightning in a bar. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they certainly did that with uh, Miguel Diaz, who's just, he's, he's on his way. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, it wouldn't, and it wouldn't be all the end of the world if some of those guys got picked up. And well, then that's the thing is that the, the organization is so deep that they can afford to lose a couple of these players. Because you look and these guys are well off the top 30. Yeah. And they're, they're a long ways away from ever having a chance to crack the Major League roster. So our cup runs over, you're saying? Yes, yes. Well, and that's why they had to make room. Getting rid of Colton Brewer, Rowan Wick, Walker Lockett. These guys are all kind of 4A players. And so they, and, and then DFAing um, Spangenberg and letting Villanueva go. And these are all decisions because there is a lot of talent that they need to start protecting. And it's only going to get more interesting the next couple of years. Oh, cheese and crackers. Cheese and crackers. Sitting oh, right next to my phone. Cheese and crackers. Um, wow. So, uh, hey, it's not just cheese and crackers. You know, so this and is going to be a vlog. Service with a smile and a cackle. <laughs> Let's just say this. You know, if you're going to ever be a guest on Friars on the Farm and come here um, and do a live pod with us, and you do it here at the house, you'll have cheese and crackers. How about you'll that? You'll have snacks. And she's pulling out Twix. We have candy bars. Oh, my um, gosh. Candy bars. Okay, here's the interesting thing. Um, coming up later on in the episode, our star-filled guest appearances are continuing to roll. We have Buddy Reed coming up in a few minutes. Excited. And I'm totally stoked. I can't believe he's going to come on and talk to us. Um, very grateful. But Libby holding up the Kit Kat uh, reminded me of what he had, what he had posted on... Uh, Instagram last night, late last night. Oh, yeah? I've never been there before. He was playing video games and eating candy. <laughs> and uh, um, he went on a, on a candy run. And I'm going to ask him about that because Nick Margavicius, in, a, um, in an interview, talked about his love of candy as well. About Nick's love of candy or about Buddy Reed's no, love? No, about, about Nick Margavicius' love of candy. Okay. And now we know that Buddy Reed has a sweet tooth. Um, just it's going to be it's going to be something they're talking about. You know, we we think of these guys; they're professional athletes. They're doing their job. They're kids. Right. They're, these guys are 21, 22, 23 years old. They're I and mean, what were we doing when we were that age? I was doing all kinds of stupid stuff. Well, we're still doing it. My <laughs> wife's not a kid anymore, but she's a kid at heart. Yes, and, and she is. I'm grateful for the Kit Kats. Um, so let's move on real quick. We only got a few more minutes before we bring Buddy Reed on. Um, Fred Marie's knee surgery successful. Yeah, it was a meniscus, a torn meniscus surgery. I think in his right knee, I think I saw. So, and I didn't see that there was a specific injury that happened. Did I see somewhere that it was, uh, he was uh, running back to first base or had stopped, was jumping back to first base? Is that what it was? Um, something like that. It was okay. it's more, it's more like a, trying to stop momentum. Mm-hmm. And that was actually when it happened. It was like trying to stop momentum. And then he goes, not so much. Yeah. Well, when you've got 260, 270 pounds of beefcake trying to, I mean, he's a large human being. Well, and this is, which brings me up the idea, I didn't ask him last night, was AJ was like, talking about Franimal in the clubhouse. Like, he's he gets upset, mm-hmm. A, when he did not perform, and B, when the team loses. And we talked about 
that you want to see that in a player. And I feel like to ask him, like, so were you afraid for your life? Um, <laughs> were you afraid to ask him a question? Were you very timid around him after that? Like, well, did you see when Fred Mill got ejected from that game for arguing a, a third strike call? You could see the umpire shaking from the video. And the umpire was a big dude. He was a big barrel-chested guy, but Fran Mill's just towering over him. And, man, he's a foot taller than the guy. But he's one of those, you know, and, and Duncan again about uh, what Deji was talking about last night was in. He's a gentle giant. He's like, he's a sweetheart. He he said he's one of the nicest guys in the clubhouse, um, which you would expect from a very large human being. Well, when you <laughs> see that when, when the other players are doing well and he's cheering them on. And I love that after the games, he's talked about he had a home run and an RBI single, and he was more proud of the RBI single than the home run because of the point in the game that he needed to make contact. And so he gets it, and I love that, that it's like it's team first. And I I just I love Fran Reyes. I, I want to see him stick around and succeed with the Padres. And those guys, and just to kind of like just step one step further, talking about chemistry, talking about likable guys, Talking about guys that will welcome other guys into the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Players that want other players to succeed and don't just think of themselves um, are more than likely to be surrounded by people that want to see other people succeed. And I, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but like I like the fact that he wants other players to do well mm-hmm. and he celebrates it. Well, that's what? how you cultivate a winning culture. You don't do that by just putting a bunch of guys that can perform together. Mm. There needs to be something else that, that sews it all together and you know, puts a bow on it. I had this last year, we heard all these stories from the 98 guys and they all talked about that, that there was something in that clubhouse that brought them all together, put them all you know, the right attitude and they were successful as a group, not as individuals. So Luis Urias was all, was also shut down for the winter. Yeah. He was going to play in the Mexican League, and I guess they decided just not to take the risk. Um, the apparently the hamstring isn't recovered quite as we had hoped. Because when he got hurt, the word at the time was that there's a chance he might be ready by the end of the season. We just don't want to push it. Well, here we are a month and a half later, and they're still not going to risk putting him in play. So I'm a little nervous, but I'm optimistic that he's. Yeah, I just I don't want another Corey Spangenberg situation like I mentioned on the last one. And I don't. After that, I almost jumped off the third to three hundred and said, "I don't fire going, Okay, it's over. It's over. No, he'll. But I'm an extremist. He'll be fine. Yeah. We'll see him this spring, and he's going to be full speed and all of this. I'm just convincing myself he's going to be fine. Yeah, he's going to be our starting second baseman. He's going to start 150 games, and it's all going to be okay. You know, and we trust our guest, and our guest said if it's a thing. I'll text you. Okay. Well, okay. I, I I said you'll text us. Wait, you got some? You got the insider? No, from last text? night. From last night with AJ. I'm like, wow. Hey, okay. Don't it's not a thing. If it's a thing, you'll text us. Yeah. I'll text you. Uh, okay. Maybe I'll have to go back and listen to that, but it's it's not a thing. So, <laughs> Padre fans, uh, worry not. Mm-hmm. But this is the week, and it's a huge week because this is kind of the calm, quiet before the storm with the winter meetings coming up. Mm-hmm. It's uh, we're recording this on Monday. Um, this weekend, it gets all fired up. But there's a lot going on. I mean, the Mariners just made two big trades. Huge. There's there's stuff, and the what the Indians and the and the Nationals just made a trade. Uh, they traded a catcher for an outfielder. Young Gomes right. went to Nationals, and they got some. They got an outfielder, a 
toolsy outfielder back. And it, stuff's starting to happen. And the dominoes starting to fall, and then we yeah. saw the two big names out there with Machado and, and Harper. Mm-hmm. Um, and even talk of of uh, Cleveland maybe getting rid of Kluber or uh, or Bauer. It's just yeah, I, you know, just There's a lot of pieces. Club for a minute here. It's, it's tough because you, you saw what Cleveland did, and they were just really really good during the season, and they kind of sputter out in the postseason. And that's a really that's a great lineup. It's an excellent starting rotation. Mm-hmm. Bullpen a little bit shaky. Um, but they seem to be kicking into semi-rebuild mode a little right. bit. Retooling. Retooling. That's yeah. the retooling. Yeah, because their pitchers are available. I would love to have Trevor Bauer. I don't know how you feel about the, he's kind of a polarizing guy. I love that guy. I just went for the Twitter. Yeah. Did you see what he, he did today? The, he would be the Twitter god. He tweeted out, uh-oh, I got my finger stuck in a drone blade again. I saw it and, and I then, disregarded it because he will do that. But did you see what he did, though? No. Because people replied... And then the, he posted a picture of him with his middle finger down in the <laughs> blades of one of his drones. Oh my, I love it. I love it. But he's so cerebral. He's into the, the and these guys, the technology that they use to try to analyze the, the spin rate, the spin axis, the mechanics to refine what they do. I and mean, it's a whole other level versus just having some, you know, crusty old, old retired pitcher watching you saying, you know, get right. out in front a little bit more right, or right. you know, leave with your elbow. Way. And they're, it's really advanced. And seeing what Robert Stock has done, I would love to have a chance to talk to Robert Stock about what he's, the work he puts in because he puts those electrodes on to try to build his body up. But he's also, he's upped his velocity. Mm. He got to 100 miles an hour by just sheer brute force, by, mm. by working. But all of this work, it's the off-season kind of stuff. And Trevor Bauer is waist deep into that yeah and he even experimented with the spin rate thing because he was really? he was sitting well he was saying that the astros he was saying hmm, it's interesting that these pitchers go to the astros and all of a sudden their spin rate goes up hmm i wonder what they're doing and then there was one game that all of a sudden his spin rate was higher than it was before and the rumor was that he was using pine tar to get a little bit extra spin now, it's a known thing that, that players use a combination of rosin and sunscreen, that they'll put that on their arm. And you see this, in, I see it in the bullpen all the time, it's perfectly acceptable. You're allowed to use those substances. Really? But taking it another level to something that gets you the added tack that lets you get a couple hundred more RPM, that'll make a fastball jump. It'll make a slider dive just a little bit yeah. more. And that little edge is the difference between being a 4A player, and an all-star for yeah. some of these guys. Yeah. I mean, it really is a thin edge. Yeah. So, I, I anyway, I, lo- I like Trevor Bauer a lot. I didn't like him when he came out because I thought that he was cocky, that he's, when he came out of college, but now I love the cockiness, and the guy performs, and he's, I, I just, I, I would love to see the Padres make a move and get Trevor Bauer. You know, and he's another one of those personalities, just to kind of, I don't know, it, it's, he's just another one of those personalities that will interact with Twitter's trolls and fans alike and not block people he'll just dig right in and go toe to toe with it and i read some of these some of these threads and it's just i'm, I'm falling down laughing because he's just and he keeps egging them on and they just keep biting on that bait and then, you know it's like show me the water with these guys and he's just throwing it out there um and you know i, I remember a couple of seasons ago when he tried to pitch with that broken finger you know not with a broken finger but with a cut yeah and it was just trip, trip, trip. And he's like, I'm good. Yeah, That's he's trying good. to hide it. 
Yeah, I, I want that guy on my team. I love it. Not going to happen. We'll see where he goes. I, I hope he stays there in Cleveland, but um, I also find it interesting, and we'll just move on with this. He only signs one-year deals. Yeah. Okay, pay for his performance. Yeah. Um, that's that's about it. we got about two minutes before we read Buddy Reed in. Uh, we'll be right back with Buddy Reed. Buddy, second-round draft pick in the 2016 draft, had a 279, 319, 435 slash with 51 stolen bases over two levels in 2018. His talent, passion, and love for the game was showcased for the whole world to see when he played for the Team USA in the Futures game during the All-Star game in Washington, D.C., where his elite defensive skills stole an extra base hit from fellow Padres prospect Fernando Tatis Jr. Mic'd up for the game... Buddy's effervescent personality shines as he celebrates not only stealing the extra base hit, tracking down a ball most MLB center fielders couldn't catch, but when former teammate and former roommate, pardon me, and current New York Mets prospect Peter Alonso crushed a home run, Buddy was the first to meet him on the top step. And he topped off a breakout 2018 season with a stellar Arizona Fall League appearance with a 333-397-485 slash line five stolen bases, winning Fall Stars MVP with a game-tying triple in the 10th inning. Whew! That is a hell of a season, and we're pleased to be joined by Buddy Reed. And then, you show who I am as a person. First. All right. <laughs> okay, well, here we are with Buddy Reed. Buddy, thanks for coming on. Um, yeah, thank you, guys. A little bit of technical difficulties. Uh, born in the Bronx, Big Bernie Williams fan. Uh, talk about growing up a Yankees fan. Uh, you know, it's pretty interesting. I mean, growing up in the Bronx, like 10 minutes from Yankee Stadium, all you hear about is Yankee, Yankee, Yankee. When you first come out of the womb, it's Yankee, Yankee, Yankee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> pretty much you got the, one of the best players and one of the biggest icons in New York at shortstop, and then you have all his um, other great players to follow. And then you know the culture of the Yankees from even the early 1900s until now, and then the 27 championships and things like that. So growing up a New York Yankees fan is, is pretty cool. Uh, hold holds a deep place in here just because um, I've always followed them. I've always loved them. Um, and it was just cool to see. You know, I went to David Wells' uh, perfect game. My dad took me there when I was younger, the World Series. Nice. And, did yeah, you, and the energy. Did you get to go to the 98 World Series? I probably cool. did because my dad definitely wouldn't have missed that. He would have. Oh, man. Um, you know, the Marlins. I, and, I think the Marlins. fandom, but that was a bitter pill for us to swallow. Yeah, I know. Uh, that was an all-time great team, though. It must have been a lot of fun watching that team succeed like that. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, you modeled your game after – after Dexter Fowler, who are the, who are some of the players that you really want to model your game after in the pro? Uh, I kind of want to. I don't really want to necessarily model my own, my game after someone. More so, just more like like be myself and and whoever the people want to, the writers and stuff want to compare me to. That's fine, but I just want to be myself. I mean, I think I have the ability to be an impact player from both sides of the plate, on the bases, in the outfield, and then be a leader in the clubhouse, and then obviously in the dugout. Uh, in terms of, I guess, being like a player, um, I'm a switch hitter, which is different for a lot of people. And I think I have, I, I know actually that I have the ability to hit for power 
Uh, I have a good arm. I can, I can field. And I can do all the things that um, the Padres and, and whatever could ask of me in terms of getting on base, making um, adjustment, in-game adjustments at the plate and on the base pass and on defense and doing whatever I need to do to help my team win. So at the Futures game, last all, at, the all, last, at the All-Star game last year, uh, the manager or one of the coaches was Torrey Hunter. I understand yeah. you're good friends with Torrey Hunter Jr., have you yeah. had much mm-hmm. of a chance to work? Tory Hunter was one of my favorite players. I loved his style. Yeah. Um, so have you had a chance to work with, with those guys? And what what do you kind of draw off of him? I'm actually going to be meeting with Tory uh, later this offseason because his son is in my agency. But, no, I talked to Tory a lot of, just about the game and the approach because he's a little – he's not new to the game, obviously, because his dad was a 19-year Hall of Fame big leaguer. But, um, you know, he played football and baseball in um, college. And I think there was a little bit more just because, you know, you got to come in earlier than like in the summer, stuff like that. So Tori's still learning, but he obviously knows a lot because of his father. But no, I just like to pick his brain and talk to him about what he sees, what he thinks about. And then obviously his father is, is close to close to us as well. So uh, we talked a little bit in the locker room at the Futures game. But then also when I go see him for like a week or whatever, I just talk to him. I like to say we have pretty similar, very close personalities. So it's going to be cool to, to talk to them. Absolutely. Uh, so you were originally drafted with the Texas Rangers in the 35th round uh, back yeah. in 2013. Um, when most players, even even at that young age and that late in the draft, would just pick to go play pro ball, you chose to get an education. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Well, like I said, uh, it's big for my family and education. I promised my parents and I told my parents I wanted to get my education and get a four-year uh, complete a four-year degree at, at a um, major school. And so obviously I chose the University of Florida. Um, I thought it was – I think education is very important just for me personally, um, just things that can you can use in the real world. Uh, and in real world scenarios, not necessarily, you don't necessarily have to go to college to be a successful person, right. but I just think education is very, for, for me, uh, is very important. I'm a visual learner, so I took a lot of classes where I could see things and then also be like kinesthetic and be like hands on. So, what are you studying while you're in school? And is that does that have any uh, implications on your career as a baseball player and, and beyond? Yeah, well, telecommunications was my major, and then a minor in Spanish. I speak Spanish a lot in the dugout in the clubhouse, and then I practice a lot. And I wanted to take telecommunications and potentially become a broadcaster after my career. Uh, just be a TV personality. That's awesome. Well, you got a lot of personality. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I definitely see one on the MLB Network in, let's see, about 23 years. Yeah, hopefully it's a good 15, 20 years off. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So then, you're, then you, uh, your sophomore and junior year, you were uh, – both those years, Florida went to the College World Series. Um, mm-hmm. Did that really help you become a? You know, did that kind of help you in playing pro ball, where you became, you know, on the big stage in front of a lot of people, high pressure situations? Did it kind of ease you into pro ball by having that experience? Well, like I said, the biggest thing for me is um, not putting too much pressure on yourself, especially in pro ball, where you know you're you have to be selfish in a sense because. You want to make it to the big leagues, right? And you're competing against your friends, and then you compete, and then you get say you get traded, and you meet new guys, and then you compete against them, and it's like 
oh, this guy just came over to us, like, things like that. But the biggest thing is not to put pressure on yourself. Like, it's everybody forgets it's a game. It's supposed to be fun. The, when I was in Omaha two years in a row, uh, it wasn't really a big deal because it was just like, I've been playing baseball now for, how, like, four years, seriously. It's just another game. It's one versus nine when I'm in the box, and then it's nine versus one when the opponent's in the box. And you got to do all the little things right, and you just have to play the game and have fun. So did you uh, – what kind of scouting reports did they give you while you were in college? And have you seen that change as you've come up through the minors? Yeah, so in the minors it's just more analytics. But for the most part it's the same. We have video on the hitters, their tendencies, what they like to do. And then a court, and then we shift accordingly to the hitters as well being in center field or left field. If I see something in the hitter's swing, whether it's a left-handed hitter and he's a little slap hitter or a left-handed hitter with power, then I adjust myself and then it's accordingly depending on where I'm playing. I imagine as you come up through the levels that you get a lot more information because where you like we saw you with Lake Elsinore this year, guys don't tend to spend a whole lot of time in Lake Elsinore, so there's not a lot of information about them. Yeah, you only get so many looks at somebody. Um, Definitely. Did you notice just from single A to double A? Was there a, a difference there? Yeah, there's I think a little bit more of the uh, whole analytics and shifting. When I would come up to the plate, shoot, I would left-handed, I would get shifted almost every at bat. Um, just from tendencies, but then at the same time, so that's an adjustment I make is like, okay, if they're throwing me inside or it, they see that I get around the ball sometimes, oh, uh, what am I going to work on? I'm going to work on hitting the ball the other way and hitting it hard. And so it's always, it's, it's like a cat and mouse game. It's just a back and forth. And then obviously the pitchers are trying to pitch into the defense as well. So sometimes there's things you can beat this, like you could beat a shift with a bunt. You could beat the shift with um, obviously going, trying to go to the, the other way. But then also there's guys on base and there's other things within the game that you have to do. So it's not always about getting a hit and it's not always about like doing what's for you. It's about doing what's for the team. Right. Good productive outs, move runners over, sack flies. Yeah. I, I love that you're that into because I get the impression that some ball players and even in minor leaguers, they're such good athletes and they were such good players that they could just go out there and do it. But yeah. you have to be thinking before every play about what all the situations are. What if they hit it behind me, to Definitely. my left, to my yeah. right, to my in front of me? What if the runner goes or holds? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, oh, there's a lot of things you have to think about. And that's when breathing comes into play for me. It's just taking deep breaths, understanding the game can sometimes move pretty fast. But at the same time, baseball is a very slow game. So you don't always have to rush through things like in the field. Make sure you field the ball before you even pick your head up and look to see where you're going to throw it. At the plate, make make sure you keep your head down before you even make contact on the ball. So it's just little things like that that go a long way. And then obviously the guys that do it best do it consistently, and they never really make the mistake of, you know, making errors or striking out and things like that. Absolutely. So let's talk about your draft experience. Uh, did you have a feeling the Padres were going to take you there, or were other other scouts looking at you and and, and talking to you? Uh, talk about that. Yeah. Uh, so I was talking to my agent, and I had interest from the Cardinals, the Padres, and another team. They said late in the first round, the 34th pick, I believe, were, were the Cardinals, or the 33rd, one of the two. And then it got to the second round, and then um, my agent called me and said, hey, the Padres are really interested. And then obviously knowing A.J. Preller from the Texas Rangers at the time in 2013, we really had a good connection, and then he moved to the Padres. Uh, when my agent told me who the GM was and then um, what pick they had, 
uh, it got to pick maybe 45, and they called me and told me, hey, we're going to pick you at the 48th overall pick. And I got picked right after uh, Logan Shore, pitcher from Florida as well. So it was a pretty uh, intense experience. Uh, I had a lot of friends and family. I the sixth overall pick to the Athletic uh, with us because obviously we went to the same school and played together. And it was really, it was just a really cool experience. That's excellent. So with the ACL, you played um, with former, well, in, sorry, in the serious All-Stars game, you played with uh, former roommate uh, Peter Alonzo. Yeah. How cool was that? It was really cool, actually. You know, Pete is a funny guy. I was roommates with him in college freshman year and then obviously playing with him until our junior years together. Uh, he's a funny character. I call him Sweet Pete, Pistol Pete. He recently just got engaged to his to his girlfriend, Haley, which I'm so happy for. I can't wait to go to his wedding and, and spend uh, some quality time and a special time with him. But, no, Pete is, is a really good kid, really good guy. Uh, he's got a really soft, warm heart. Uh, he's down to earth and, and – and I can't wait to see him uh, keep succeeding in the big leagues, hopefully next year uh, being the starting first baseman for, for the Mets. Yeah, and, and you're going to be robbing some, some balls hitting the gaps there. So my wife, yeah. my wife's from New York. And okay. And she grew up a Mets fan. So, um, you know, during the Arizona Fall League, during the, uh, the Sirius XM uh, Fall Star, the, uh, the Futures game. Futures game, thank you very much. Um, mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, that guy's for the Mets. This guy's going up for the Mets. Uh, and us having a minor league podcast, I'm always feeding her and her father, like, these are your guys, these yeah. are guys coming along. And, and, and when had he a roommate with, with Peter, it was just it's fantastic. He's going to be an impact player. Yeah, he definitely is, 100%. So, so I, I got a little story for you. I, the uh, Lake Elsinore Storm had a social media day one day. Mm-hmm. And so my, my now wife, we were engaged at the time, we came up. And you hit a leadoff home run, and yeah. uh, and the the storm people they tweeted out. They said, "Hey, win a prize. Who? How many home runs has Buddy Reed hit this year?" And I responded, and I beat her by two seconds. I said, "Really? Seven. That was his seventh home run." And I tweeted that out, and I won an autographed bat. So I'm honored to have a piece of your memorabilia on my wall. Um, oh well, no problem. So I just had to shout that out, and also to rub it in my wife's face that I beat her on, yeah. on the answer. But we also got a bat from uh, Kelvin Melly on that that game. That was that was a lot. Oh, of fun. cool, cool. Yeah. We were down on the field one day too before the game, so I did get to say hi to you in person, but I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't introduce it myself because I didn't want to mess with you on your work day. Right. Yeah, I understand. So you talk about uh, wanting to be a leader on and off the field and speaking Spanish. I think that's really going to go a long way with a lot of the top prospects that are, that are coming up through the Padres system. And just yeah. in general, playing um, a, a sport that's highly dominant with, with Latin players and connecting mm-hmm. with those guys. Um, how do you all, you know, being a leader on the field is one thing, but how do you want to be a leader off the field and how do you want to kind of get back to well, first, I want to connect with my uh, with all my teammates and guys in the organization because there's, sometimes there can be a split just because the Latin players don't understand English that well and the English players don't understand Spanish that well. So uh, the biggest thing for me is trying to hang out with, with all ethnicities and all groups like whenever we can and try to get us all together and have a good team camaraderie, camaraderie organizational camaraderie, and all be uh, together and on the, same, on the same page. But then giving back to the community, I'm trying to start a foundation um, – so my friend's brother, who has cerebral palsy, I, I promised him whenever I made it to the major leagues that I would do that. So that's in the works. And then as well, 
um, doing whatever I can to give back to the community, whether it's for Thanksgiving or, or food, food drives, giving back to the homeless and things like that. Usually whenever I see um, homeless people, I used to not give them money, but now regardless of what uh, I'm going through, I know for a fact that they're going through a lot, something a lot worse. So now my biggest thing is if I can give them a dollar or two or a couple dollars, whatever it is, I'll do that just because it shows the type of person I am. But also I know that I'm so blessed and there's, they're going through a lot worse things than I, than I am. That's awesome. Well, but speaking about it, so one of the topics that's been bantered around a lot this year is the, the, the wage, the living wage that minor leaguers get. Um, yeah. So right now you don't have a whole lot of dollars to, to give away. Um, mm-hmm. Did you have a host family while you were at Lake Elsinore? And then in yeah, Portland? I did. Okay. Uh, Fort Wayne, we lived in an apartment, but I did live with, I lived with uh, the Gerbers, Scott and Rexanne, and their daughter Mariah and their son Rex, and they were awesome. They treated me so well. Um, they came to the games when they could, and I don't know how to them, and I thank them so much. They're like my uh, second family, and I love those guys so much. Well, I appreciate that, because uh, the plan for me and my wife are to uh, eventually move out of San Diego when I retire, and we want to move to a small minor league city and be a host family. Yeah. That gives me a lot of hope. But one of the things that, uh, you know, you talk about the homeless, uh, you know, giving money to the homeless and helping them out. Uh, the Padres partner with the Monarch School here in San Diego. And mm-hmm. the Monarch School here is high school for homeless kids in San Diego. Uh, and so that would be, just put that in your ear, uh, when you get to the big leagues, uh, definitely you're going to have an opportunity to, you know, to, to be an impact person, not only on the field, but out here in the community as well. And the San Diego Padres Foundation is, is huge on on the food bank here in San Diego, the Marek School. Uh, uh, the blood they do the blood drive now. The blood drive. Yeah, there are a lot of there's a lot of community outreach that the Padres do. And so uh, yeah, we love having players that are involved in that, are enthusiastic about that. So I love that that you're going there on your own as a minor leaguer. You're not just waiting until you get up and somebody says, Hey, can you do this? You're 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 taking the initiative on that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Anything I can uh, I can do to help the community and help the kids and the generations that are going to come after us, because that's more important uh, than than what than than the now. I think. Absolutely, uh, I always say time treasure. Yeah. So, what are your offseason plans? What are you gonna do now? Are you gonna relax here before the holidays, uh, then kick it up into gear? Uh, what are your plans for 2019? What do you hope to? So in 2019, um, oh, well, first of all, right now it is, uh, what, December 3rd? Yes, sir. Yeah, so I'm taking it one slow day at a time, trying to get the most out of my days. Um, You're not picking I'm up going, a day job, are you? No, 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 no chance. <laughs> um, I'm tra- I haven't started training. I'll start training tomorrow, but I am um, I'm going to Italy on the 12th of December. For a week, oh, wow. then I'll come. Yeah, then I'll come back, spend time with family, and then I'll go back. I'm going back to Australia for like a week or two, and then I'll go to Miami and train with my um, hitting consultant, like an instructor, uh, in January, and then I'll be ready for uh, whatever spring training I'm going to and has to offer. So why why Italy? And do you speak any Italian? I do not. No, I just always wanted to go, and I have some free time now, and I. Finally, have a little bit of an offseason, so I'm going to go uh, spend some time over in Italy and check it out. So Australia, I think I remember reading somewhere that you went to Australia with your dad. 
Yeah, I did. The year before, I went to play there, yeah. Okay, so did you have any say when the Padres were coming up with an off-season plan? Did you ask to go to Australia, or was that just a, a happy coincidence? Uh, no, I didn't ask, actually, because they didn't mention it. But when I got hurt in Fort Wayne and then had the 88-game season, uh, they talked to me about going there the like middle end of the season. And at first, I was like, you know what? I don't really want to go over. To be honest, like Honestly, I was like, I don't really want to go across the world and play more baseball, especially because I was like already had a bad season and stuff. But I'm so glad that they gave me they still gave me the opportunity. And then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? The team wants me to do this because they want me to be successful and I should want to be successful for myself. And so then I ended up going and then I played really well. I found who I was as a player um, on the field and the things I could do. And then I brought it into this past year and I was really happy with the success I've had. And there's and I can do a lot more. So I'm excited about it. About 2019. Somebody texted me and was like, hey, buddy, uh, Getty's hit three homers just like you did in Australia. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Because <laughs> it's a Padres thing. That's what you want everybody to do well. I mean, 100%. I, I, I'm, I'm a golfer. I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I'm not, like, competitive or anything like that. But at the same time, when I'm playing with my buddy, if he beats me, I, I don't, you know, I don't want him to beat me because I had a bad day. I don't want him to beat me because I played well and he played better. It's, it's that kind yeah. of thing. 100%. Well, hey, buddy. We, uh, you know, sorry for the audio flip. We'll, no, it's fine. We'll, it's totally fine. We'll explain that on the way. Uh, on the way. Well, I, I'm really, you know, it speaks a lot for you to want to stay in school and, and being yeah. self-aware enough to know that you're not incomplete as a man or are still growing as a man and your education is way important. Maybe we're always still growing. So, I mean, when you 100%. Think about it, we're always still learning and growing. You talked about the, the, the doubters and all that. I, I mean, Tony Gwynn was our community idol here. He always had doubters. His whole career, even though he had a first ballot Hall of Fame career, it doesn't matter who you are, there's always doubters. And you're always right. learning and progressing. Well, even mm-hmm. as a major league player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Working hard to continue to learn. If you're not, if you're not growing, you're going. Yeah. Well, buddy, 100%. We really appreciate you taking the time and talking yeah. to us today. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you so Thank you for much. Having me. Um, we'll talk to you later, all right? Yes, you guys have a great night. All right, cool. Wow. What a great interview. He is I'm, – I'm impressed. You know, I was a Buddy fan before. Uh, now I'm a Buddy believer. Oh, yeah. That's – yeah, I, I liked the guy, but now knowing the the dedication that he has to the attention to detail, the aspirations that he has for going beyond um, you know, his career beyond baseball, um, even talking about contributing back to the community – I and mean, it's, it's not just a good ball player. It's a good human being, the kind of person you really want to root for. Absolutely. And, and the, you know, the speaking Spanish and being a minor and having fluent Spanish skills, that's going to bridge the gap from the Latin players, like you talked about, Latin players to the, to the you know, English-speaking players. 
and, and bringing people together, and that's a leadership quality. I can imagine how the other players must just light up when they hear him speak Spanish. It's like, oh, yeah. you understand me. We right. can we can talk. We can hang out. Absolutely. Um, I, I do want to preface this by saying um, we recorded about 15 minutes of solid buddy interview. Uh, quote unquote recorded. We didn't record it. It was uh. Uh, it was not recorded. And buddy, thank you so much. And we was gracious enough to continue with the. Uh, with the podcast and continue with the over. same questions he that gave us we a heard. Over. Um, Donovan, we, don't hold it. Don't hold your head low. Uh, <laughs> We're all human. We all make mistakes. I'm much more human than others because I make so many more mistakes. But anyways, we're really proud uh, and, and grateful for him to have that time uh, to spend it with us. Um, and now we want to see him succeed even yeah, more than before. Absolutely. Uh, let's see what happens in 2019. Yeah. Where um, you know the self awareness and the desire to win and 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 succeed, mm -hmm. I think it's there. Uh, and I hope that his infectious personality carries on to his teammates as he goes up the levels. Absolutely. And, and that's another one of those players. So you're, you're Luis Patino, mm -hmm. um, your, your buddy Reeves, they have this like this life force. That, Fran, this, like Fran Mill. Yeah. Fran Mill. And just these guys are having a good time, and but yet still respect the game mm -hmm. and play at a high level. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the hardest thing to do. I always talk about that is the... Most ball players, it's such a hard, difficult game. It's so serious, and you don't want to. You want to be respectful for other players. You want to be respectful for the game, but yet you got to have fun. And I think a lot of that does shine through with him. And uh, he seems to find that balance. Yeah, because he talked about the analytics, the attention to detail, but then you see him in person, and he's out there having fun and living in the moment. Absolutely. Uh, well, you can reach me. On Twitter at SD Donovan. And I'm at Zippy underscore TMS. This has been another good show. Another good show. Um, thank you so much and go Padres. Go Padres. Go Padres.